One thing that I think the industry can do better on is the actual day-to-day -day language we use when we talk about solar workers. I can't tell you how many times I'm doing an interview and the person refers to all of their solar workers as guys. And I know there are women installers out there who are hearing that and being like, I guess I'm, I just don't matter. I'm such a small amount that I'm not even accounted for. Hello, and welcome to Solar for All, a podcast focused on the intersection of clean energy and the issues of race, class, equity, inclusion. And uh, we are glad to have our guest, Kelsey Misbrenner. Kelsey is the senior editor of Solar Power World, one of the important magazines in our industry. She's been in that role for five years. And uh, she's a, an Ohio native. She went to Kent State University for undergrad and is just up the road from our headquarters uh, based out of the Cleveland area. Although obviously Solar Power World serves the, the entire solar industry and is a well-respected national organization. All of the show notes, uh, should we discuss items that are interesting to the viewers are available at solarforall.show. And that's spelled out S-H-O-W. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Equity, inclusion, justice. These are probably things that are, you know, not necessarily new topics for, for many of us, but they seem to be uh, rising in importance and focus within our industry. Are you seeing that as well in the folks that you're interacting with? Absolutely. Um, for a time, it sort of seemed like there was a lot more one-off efforts to increase diversity, where it would be like um, women in solar or people of color in solar featured, you know, once a year or once every three months. And I'm hoping that we are shifting more toward just weaving in that inclusion into everyday life in this industry. And I know some organizations like um, Next Tracker and SEI actually have launched an entire scholarship program for women and non-binary workers in the solar industry. So I am seeing actual investments, right? Putting your money where your values are instead of just posting on national International Women's Day or something like that. So I'm really inspired by that kind of move. Yeah, that's that's pretty significant. So tell me again, this is Next Tractor, which most people are familiar is one of the leading, if not, you know, clearly the leading uh, single axis tracker uh, manufacturer. They're they're providing cash money scholarships for folks to go get on-site training with Solar Energy International. Do you know how much money or how long this is or how big of a program it is? Um, I, I don't know every detail, but I know, I think it's a like six week program through SEI. Um, the only requirements are they have, the people have to have a, um, degree in something related to solar. I think it was a number of scholarships for specifically women and non-binary workers. Super, super. So yeah, we've had, um, solar energy international, uh, was represented here, uh, on the, on the show in, I think, episode three. We'll include that in the show notes. Um, so it's great to find out that, again, they're still at the forefront of training and now getting uh, a partnership in place with an industry leader to, like you said, uh, put some money where their values are, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Um, 
we do see quite a bit of people, you know, in June, suddenly all the logos have rainbows now. And that's, you know, maybe that might've been a controversial and important thing in the past. Now it's almost, you know, nice to have, but doesn't really move the needle much. What, what are some of the other actions that you're exposed to or seeing that are giving you um, positive feelings and, and of, of, of positive momentum? Yeah. Um, another thing that, that sticks out to me is organizations committing to not having manuals anymore. So having conferences where the panels are made up of at least one woman or person of color, but more and more I'm seeing that it's, it's a full mixed bag. It's people from all backgrounds. And that is so much more interesting um, hearing the perspectives of people who are not just white men. So that is a huge, like great step forward and it is becoming more, more normal. One thing that I think the industry can do better on is the actual day-to-day language we use when we talk about solar workers. I can't tell you how many times I'm doing an interview and the person refers to all of their solar workers as guys. It's just like, my guys are out there doing this. And I know there are women installers out there who are hearing that and being like, well, I guess I'm, I just don't matter. I'm such a small amount that I'm not even accounted for. And I'm sure that also turns off any women or people of color or anyone who's not the standard solar worker from even exploring a job in this field. So just being mindful of the words that we use. Yeah, we need folks to say, hey, that might be a career choice for me. We, I mean, this industry is growing so fast and uh, already the, the labor and uh, talent shortage is real. Um, we should be as inclusive and welcoming and encouraging as possible. So let's unpack that a little bit. So it's, it's manpower. It's my guys. It's um, workmanship. I mean, that's a, a legal term that we're seeing in contracts all the time. And, you know, it's kind of a term of art, workmanship. Um, but that just reflects that historic bias and that exclusivity that, you know, I don't know. I, I think some of our listeners um, might say, what's the big deal? But I think you point out pretty quickly that for a, a female tech up there on the roof saying, don't I matter? It is a big deal. And then also for the industry, for you know that kid in high school or that person who might be considering a career sh- shift, you know, is this a, a, is this a field that's going to appreciate me even though I'm a woman, even though I'm a non-binary uh, you know, person, even though I'm a black person? Um, I think we've got so much room to improve. You know, there's a master-slave language in software, I think it originally originated. And so in inverters, we're seeing master and slave in the in the technical manuals. When you have multiple inverters, one might be called the uh, historically <laughs> called the master. I have not seen that. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a technical thing for quite a long time. And think about how blind, you know, lots and lots of good, you know, moral, thoughtful people they see master slave in the technical literature and they're just kind of numb to it and they don't see how much uh, baggage those terms have, how, how 
you know, how much it pushes us in the wrong direction. So I'm going to call it Solar Edge. Uh, Solar Edge, the inverter manufacturer, um, responded well. The Amicus uh, uh, community put together a letter uh, and said, hey, this is an outdated, offensive term. Can you review your manuals for it? And they said, yes, we agree. And they scrubbed their manuals. Um, I'd love to see all the other inverter and software manufacturers in the industry follow suit um, because, again, it might not be a big deal to folks that are blind to it. But if you put yourself in the shoes of an African-American or person of color, uh, you know, this is not an inclusive and welcoming thing to have in, in the technical literature. Not at all. No, that, I didn't even, I've never seen that myself. Uh, that is pretty, pretty clear that that needs to change for sure. Yeah. Well, you've got a megaphone, yeah. you've got a, a, a powerful voice, obviously, you know, solar power world is part of a team and, and there's lots of other folks out there, but are you all doing more, uh, kind of, uh, purposeful editorial content as the industry changes to try to help us nudge ahead? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges I think from an editorial standpoint is sourcing people who are not all from the same background. A lot of, you know, we know the numbers, the CEOs and the C-suite people that we're often talking to are white men. And so we, me, Kelly and Billy definitely try to get more sources that do not look like that. Um, just again, for that representation. So you're reading our magazine and you see a woman's name and you're not surprised. It just becomes something more natural and helps to give the authority where it's due to people who aren't just the, the same set that it's always been. And then the other part that we are making more of an effort um, to do is source more stock photos showing women installers. Just something like these, these small acts can just make it more normal to have pe- more different people in the, in the industry. And we know that it matters. So we are making efforts and we ask anyone who has some great photos that we can use of women installers, of people of color, send them over. We'll give you credit and we will so appreciate it. All right. Well, you've heard it here, folks. You're, you've got a mission. I know Namaste Solar has a ton of uh, female techs. Um, we don't yet. Uh, we're trying to, we're trying to recruit and reach out and uh, there aren't as many candidates out there, but we're definitely uh, proactively working at our company to, uh, to cross that, that barrier and we'll celebrate it when we do. And, uh, and also people of color. Um, again, we're a very white industry. Um, I know like in California and uh, on the very large construction sites, there's plenty of Latinos, but often they're in the, the low-skilled, low-wage kind of pickup labor space. So at the electrician level and at the you know, PV tech level, we've got room to improve. Are you working with or do you, are you have on your radar some, some uh, companies that are either owned or led by or have um, you know, more than a one or two token members that, that represent the non-white groups? Absolutely, yes. Um, well, okay, I should say mostly the diversity in CEO level is mostly white women. 
So definitely more work to do there. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely know a handful of our top solar contractors are um, run by women. And in um, the past, other, um, other people have sort of tokenized them further and, you know, done pieces on, here are five women CEOs. How do they do it? And we try more to just make it, ask them the questions we would ask any other white male CEO and again, just normalize it instead of further marginalizing them and asking like questions that only women get asked in that position. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance fan? You know, as a white male, right. I have never been on a panel and had somebody <laughs> say, how do you balance family and uh, professional career? It's like, right. come on. Right. Um, exactly. But people do that and they're they're. I think that they're blind to it. I think that they just, yeah. I think we all have our biases. You know, I've been reading books and, and discovering and just owning and admitting my own racism and my own sexism just my own inherent bias. And, you know, f- when I was younger, I, that I wouldn't have said that I would have really resisted, you know, owning that. But I think that the conversation's evolving to the point where folks are starting to realize it's okay to say what's true and to admit that you have a bias. Cause unless you, you own it and admit it, um, you're not going to grow. You're not going to make progress. So as a journalist, um, you were trained, you know, and, and and you've learned and you've come up in a world that was, um, I don't know, it's changing rapidly right now. Um, outside the solar space, are you watching a lot of journalism and, and editorial decision-making change and evolve? Is there stuff that you want to share with our listeners about from that perspective on these issues of inclusion and equity? Hmm. Man, I don't know. That's a, that's a big question. I mean, from back when I was first entering journalism school thing, I mean, things have changed so much. I was just sort of exiting my own bubble that I had grown up in and thinking back to the things that I reported on and the worlds that I entered back then kind of makes me cringe because I was learning a lot, but I, I don't know. I don't think I was equipped with the tools to really explore everything yet. (laughs) At this point in my life, I have done a lot of reading, a lot of, like you said, understanding my own privilege. And I think it is so important for journalists to come from that space, especially when they enter different bubbles, different t- parts of the, the world they weren't exposed to before. Um, something that I personally am working on being better is um, as far as disability and um, making sure that I root out any anti-disability words in my writing or language that are very normal um, in common, common conversations. Um, and I think I really came to that by covering a solar installation company that employs people who are deaf. And it was such a learning experience for me to ask them, how, how do I write about this? How do you want me to characterize your disability? So 
unexpected things have, have really helped me to, to grow and explore how I can be better as a writer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for, for that thoughtful answer. I'm assuming that it was Axiom Solar out of Texas. Yeah. It's a great story. I've, I've not yet met any of their deaf employees, but my understanding is that, and maybe not, maybe they wouldn't choose the word deaf. Maybe they would choose a different phrase. I think I think your your approach of of being direct and saying how do you choose to be represented? How should you know that that's the empowering approach? You know, some folks want to be called black. Some people prefer African American. I think the answer is they get to pick. We don't. Um, and just like with, uh, alter, you know, alternative abilities or disabled, um, lots of different ways to approach it. Um, and everyone's different. Um, but back to that story, we'll, we'll put a link here to, uh, to your piece on them. And, uh, we're hopeful to get, uh, a pod, uh, with either their, um, uh, the actual folks on the team or some of the folks from the company to talk about that. When I was having a beer, I forget if it was Eric or, or who it was, was talking about in ASL, they invented the, the, the sign for inverter with like two linked hands moving back oh and forth. Gosh. Like just the whole idea of like coming up with an ASL wow. sign for a technical thing that we say, because in sign language, if, if you don't have an actual quick sign for it, you have to spell it out or spell out something. And that slows down conversations. And they're saying inverter, you know, a thousand times a day on the job site. So boom. And they've gotten it actually incorporated into the official, you know, dictionary. So, um, yeah, it's a great story. We'll, we'll link to that in that the show notes so and uh, try yeah. to get them as a pod. Cause that's a, a good story. Um, you know, so it's not just color. Yes. It's not just, you know, gender, uh, it's, uh, abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be, uh, being an immigrant too. I, I know that we've got, you know, pretty technical world where, you know, folks from South Asia are, you know, pretty well represented in the engineering spaces. But, you know, I was, I bumped into a guy from Nigeria who is, uh, an electrical engineer working for a utility. And I just, you know, just in a friendly manner, started mm-hmm. asking him his story. And, Gosh, what an uphill battle he had to get a degree, to get his education, to come to America to, you know, it's a, the classic story. And then within America, because of his accent and his skin color, he's just got, you know, headwinds. He's got, he has to work twice as hard as I would have to work in that position to be successful. And, um, you know, our industry is just filled with these amazing people doing amazing work. And, um, hopefully it'll be not an amazing thing to have those stories, you know, in the future. Kelsey, you were talking, when I asked about the journalism piece, you talked a little bit about your, your coming up, you know, and when you were younger, you get that first job out of college, uh, or just as a young person in the, the kind of the, the commercial grown up real world, uh, a lot of young people are, cautious. They're defensive. They want to go along to get along. They're not sure. They don't want to make waves or disrupt or, you know, hurt their chances for success. Was that part of what was going through your mind as you're kind of starting out in your career? And, um, do you have any advice to any of the, the younger listeners on the pod for how to navigate those, those challenges of, you know, seeing bias in the workplace, but not, 
being exactly sure how to how to act on that? Yeah, um, definitely. When I when I started writing for Solar Power World, it had been a little while since I'd been out of school. I had another job that was non writing related, so it was very intimidating to get into a semi technical writing career after that. And I definitely did feel kind of dumb. The first few stories I wrote talking to people who have been in this industry for so long and are talking a different language than me. And, but it really, it just took a lot of perseverance and putting my head down and learning what I needed to know to have those conversations. And even within the company, after a couple of years, it became clear that our CEO really, really valued our, our input. And so I have brought a number of things to him through the years um, with one of the, one of the bigger things that was really cool was there was a a big worry about there not being enough poll workers Um, last um, November. Time is a, is a weird loop now, but um, I was worried about it and I was worried about older people not being able to be poll workers. So I asked him if he would be open to letting us have a volunteer day to go work the polls. And he, he took my suggestion and he made it, made it available to people. Um, I actually ended up getting trained, but not chosen to work that day. But it showed me that my input, even as a young person, um, on a slightly, you know, maybe controversial issue um, of working the polls was was valued. So it was it was really cool to see that. And I know not everyone is able to bring things like that to their CEOs. So I understand that too. But I just thought that was really neat. Yeah. Well, to the CEOs and C-suite folks listening, uh, one more example of leadership matters. And it's not always, you know, huge groundbreaking things, but lots of little things that, that, that add up. Um, how, how about, uh, again, mentorship or is there anyone that kind of took you under their wing or that you could run ideas by, um, that helped, helped you in your career or helps you maybe even to this day as you kind of navigate some of these, uh, more challenging issues? Yeah. Um, a person that I really respect and that I'm very lucky to have to be able to spend some time with here and there um, is Abby Hopper with Sia. Um, I I think it really started with um, the their annual DC Solar Policy Conference. I I was there and just reporting, and she asked the audience if there were any questions after she spoke. And a handful of men's hands raised and she sort of took a beat and then said, I'm sorry, but women typically do not raise their hands. Um, They're not the first to to jump with a question. So I want to offer an opportunity for any women to ask a question. And so sure enough, a number of women then raised their hands because she made space for them. It was so cool. So just seeing a seeing leadership like that um, and just being around her. She's she's also had some women's networking events at her house after that um, conference when it goes on. And 
it's I've gotten to meet some amazing women there too. So she just the way she holds space is what I would would love to do as I grow in my career. Wow, what a great story and and what a great you know again small but apparently very useful action there to just to have that knowledge that you know from from third grade on you know, guys raise their hand, me, 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 me in classrooms. And the girls are somewhat trained. I'll go ahead and say it. They're, they're trained to defer to the, to the guys in the room. And that's, that's just part of our culture that I think is changing as we, as we put a spotlight on it. But obviously folks, uh, you know, in that room were, were, uh, products of it. And it was right there in place that all those women with questions didn't, uh, jump to the front of the line. I guess Lynn Jurek might be probably the number one uh, female CEO out there. I know she just recently stepped back to, I believe she still has a, a board position, but has uh, mm-hmm. empowered a, another female CEO to replace her at Sunrun. Have you interacted yeah. with her at all? Have you gotten a chance to talk with Lynn? I have not had, a, I have not gotten to meet her yet, but I would love to. Yeah, me too. She's a, she's a dynamic leader. I remember reading, uh, her profile in Inc. magazine, you know, uh, I don't know if it's eight years ago or when it was, but um, she's a cover story. And again, it was one of those things like you had mentioned before about, um, you know, are we marginalizing people by having a focus on a female-led organization um, or are we putting a spotlight on true leadership and saying, and they happen to be female? I guess it's it's a lot of the ways that you, you, you phrase it and you spin it. Um, but I read about her in Inc. magazine, and our company was much smaller at the time. Uh, but it was it was really um, not just you know the fact that she was turning the industry around and challenging Solar City, and and uh, but she's one. She's number one. You know, Sunrun is is in the pole position right now. It's pretty pretty uh, fortuitous for any women leaders out there that uh, are looking for uh, examples or evidence that. Uh, that there is space at the top. How about um, advertising and, and the business side of of your magazine? And, and maybe this is you know too close to home, but are there ever any you know challenges with your editorial content? And then some of the the big spending advertisers saying, "Hey, tone it down," or "This is too controversial," or "Don't run our ad near that story." Any of that stuff come up and you don't have to name names, but I'm just curious. Yeah, we, we have not run into that, um, with any of our, you know, more social justice pieces. We, we have not had any, any pushback. Well, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. I'm just always kind of looking under the covers and behind the, in the corners to see if there's any examples of that stuff. It probably is. There's probably stuff, you know, especially in, in finance. I, I think our industry is, has a lot of uh, tree hugging true believers on the, the on the EPC side and, and some of the tech side, but once you get into finance, it's turning into really big business and really cutthroat stuff that I would say is more prone to be you know part of that good old boys network and and some of the the the, the darker sides of 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 capitalism and business. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a an investigation and try to find out some examples of this, this stuff from maybe the EPCs out there. We'll, we'll say, well, here's a couple examples of, of some sexism or, or just the behavior that we want to have less of. Um, and we can, we can put some public shaming towards these folks. I don't know. 
in general, I like to, you know, call out what we want more of. It's a lot more positive. I'm a more of an optimistic guy, but I think that there are stories of bad actors out there and, and bad actions that we can all learn from. So I'm, I'm open to it. If any of our listeners have, have uh, some subjects they want to reach out to us, please give us a ring at solarforall.show. Well, Kelsey, this is the second half of our show where we're going to go into the better together section. Uh, I talked a little bit to you about this before where you know we have our guests bring some of their favorite books, music, wisdom, authors, et cetera, for our listeners. This is your chance to, to run the show here. Um, the first part is the note and promote section where if you've got a book or some ideas or articles you want to amplify. So I was thinking about this and one of the most impactful books I've read lately is How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. And it's all about turning away from the fast-paced, mindless world of social media and turning towards nature and Um, your environment around you. And she sort of got into this by noticing crows that would come to her balcony and sort of making friends with them. And then that developed into her just wanting to learn more about her region um, and whether it's historical, whether it's with the geographic issues. And so that just really resonated with me because I am a birder. I've been birding for probably like eight years now. I take photos of birds. I watch them. I think they're awesome in my backyard and traveling too. So the book just really, really hit home with me because I am definitely at my most at peace when I am just out there focusing on nature, whether I'm hiking, birding, backpacking, just off my phone, off of the distractions. So highly recommend, um, yeah, that book. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Do you have any advice or wisdom, any any kind of nuggets of, of I don't know, s- smartness that you want to share that you, someone gave to you that you'd like to pass on? I'm just going to go back to, to Jenny O'Dell and encourage people to just sit in your backyard and notice the wildlife. Even the squirrels are entertaining the heck out of me now because I just pay attention to them and they... They like groom themselves like cats. They take little naps on my tree branches. (laughs) They are just fascinating. So just noticing a little, little piece of, of nature, even in your own backyard is just so, so worth it. I love it. I love it. I can picture when you said that, I pictured a little squirrel kind of like licking its claws and wiping its mouth there. Funny. Well, I love being in nature as well. And, um, I think, well, the world would be a better place. Uh, if more of us spent more more time breathing and doing nothing, especially if we're surrounded by green and the living forest. Um, so yeah, now it's the playlist. We've got the Better Together One Plus One playlist, and you can find this on Spotify and Apple Music and also at the soarforall.show. Um, so our guests get to show us what's on their uh, their queue, what's on it with, or maybe what's in their old cassette tape pile. Um, give us a classic song that you is your go-to and then something new that you've found that our readers might not have heard yet. Okay. Um, I, I didn't go too far back for my classic, but it's just a, a person I've been listening to for a long time. 
Um, Sturgill Simpson, I'm sure a lot of our people are fans. Um, he just put out a outlaw country album, sort of like Johnny Cash vibes, just, just awesome cowboy, cowboy tunes. And it's, the album is called, um, the dude and Juanita and it's a whole story and it's amazing. Just a fun time. This is so hilarious. (laughs) Oh, so, so (laughs) here it is on my phone. What? One of my neighbors just sent this to me yesterday saying, you've got to listen to the new Sturgill Simpson album. And I listened to it yesterday while I was mowing the lawn and it's like albums today are like a bunch of songs, right? This is, it's what, what's it called? It's called the, the ballad of Mm. dude and Juanita and all the songs tell a story and they go from the beginning to the end and I won't ruin it for the listeners, but, um, you know, uh, I was hanging and hoping and, and not sure how it was going to end. Yes. And uh, it's great. It's well done. It's a lot of fun. And, and you know, Outlaw Country is a good word for him. Mm-hmm. He's not the formulaic commercial country guy. I think he doesn't give an F. I think he, he does, does what he wants. And yes. and and it's just, it's he's an artist. It's beautiful. And uh, country is not my go-to, but I love his, his twang. I love the music on it. This is a great album. Nice work. Um, any any one song, since we officially can't say in a whole album, is there one song that's like better than the rest or where should where should listeners start? All right. So <laughs> if my husband were to pick, he would say Sam, which is all about the dog. And Nick can now sing the entirety of it uh, unprompted. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been listening. To, it's been out for like a week. So that tells you how good it is. Um, so we'll go with Sam about, about the dog. It makes me want to get a dog. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the, a good old hound dog. Yes. Um, okay, cool. And then how about something, how about something, uh, on the, the more obscure, the more new side of things? Although this might be, this might count as both. I don't think a lot of our listeners might've bumped into this if you hadn't yeah. suggested it. So this is great. Another one of my favorites, um, is Waxahachie. She's more folky, um, also a little twang blues fun. And, um, me and my sister are going to see her play in a couple weeks. So I had to choose her. And the song that I would recommend is sparks fly. It's a little bit of a sister story and it brings a tear to my eye and I'm super excited to see it live with my sister. Oh, that's great. Waxahachie, Sparks Fly. All right. Well, that's available on our our One Plus One playlist. Again, we'll have some items uh, in our show notes that we've discussed, a link to that great story about, I think uh, they had hired one deaf electrician or tech and he liked his job and brought in a couple more. And pretty soon, I I think they might've had like five deaf people on a crew um, doing great work, building big solar projects down in Texas. So, uh, we'll have a link to that and some of the other stuff, uh, that, that, uh, you've put out there, Kelsey. Um, thanks so much for the journalism and, uh, work that you do uh, with solar power world, as well as just who you are as a person in our industry. Um, we're, we're glad to have you, uh, becoming a leader in this space as we move to make our industry more representative of what our country looks like and make folks feel welcome to join 
the solar world and the clean energy opportunities out there that are just, you know, from storage to energy efficiency, to EV, to solar, to wind, um, it's booming and we need all the talent we can get. Um, so, uh, we need to do some work to make sure that we can attract that talent, make that talent feel welcome, and then retain that talent, keep them around, have them help shape our industry for the betterment of all of us. Um, Thank you to our sponsor, Third Sun Solar, and thanks to our listeners. Uh, if this is stuff is important to you, um, take a minute and review us. Give us five stars or an A-plus or whatever a review might look like. Um, have your grandmother listen to us. Uh, put it out on your socials, um, unless you're out in your yard looking at squirrels. Get on your socials and promote us and get the word out because we do need... Uh, a more diverse workforce if we're going to rise to the incredible opportunity and challenge of addressing global climate change. Um, Kelsey, thanks again for being a, a guest, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure.